Welcome to the Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Your host, Sue Meyer, is a Catholic wife and homeschool mom of 11. She shares her knowledge of the study of natural alternative medicine with you. While this show is not intended to diagnose or name any disease, through her experience, Sue will share helpful information to help you further your study into the amazing world of homeopathy. And now, here's your host, Sue Meyer. Hello, and welcome to Homeopathy for Mommies. I'm Sue Meyer. Today we're going to talk about one of my very favorite homeopathic authors. I, Without James Tyler Kent, I my whole world would have been different. You know, I mean, most of you already know that I started studying homeopathy after... I miraculously started getting better um, from my chronic mastitis after my one of my children were born. So with that, um, I, I had met a man. We started homeschooling, and one of the dads was, I didn't know it, but one of the dads was, he was an English major. He taught history, but he was also a naturopath and a homeopath. And so anyway, he heard about my my illnesses <laughs> that were literally recurring every six weeks. I would, oh, I would be bedridden, sick. Oh my goodness. High, high fevers, terrible pain. And so one day he handed me a little homeopathic remedy called Phytoloka. I've, I tell that story over and over again. It's in my book, I believe. I don't even know. But anyway, the, um, the point is, is this wonderful man who has since passed away. He diligently taught me homeopathy and he said sue you're gonna have to read james tyler kent and he suggested i get a number of books and so i did and he would patiently go through these books with me now i have people i mean i love to go around the country and teach little tiny groups of moms and caregivers how to use homeopathy that's my favorite thing in the whole world to do but now with the world situation being the way it is People don't feel as safe as they did a while ago to have small group gatherings. <laughs> it's not even funny. I don't know why I'm laughing. This is the saddest thing that America has gone through since, oh my goodness, the Civil War probably. Anyway, the I, I, I bought on eBay all these books. They didn't have Amazon back then. They had eBay and I was able to get these books for a few bucks a piece. And so I just started buying books and reading and the book that I probably have gone through I don't even know probably three times <laughs> is James Tyler Kent's lectures on homeopathic materia medica now I like I said I, I've written all these down I've taken some pictures of my own book his repertory because he also wrote a book and another book called repertory of the homeopathic materia medica and then he has lectures on homeopathic philosophy and then he also has another book called his lesser writings which was published after he passed away and we're going to talk about those a little bit more at the end of this podcast but the point is is all I wrote all these down and I all of my notes and I, I you can find these on our home our homeopathy for mommies members corner because I always like to put um, a printable in my members corner so that people just have a quick reference. And I know a lot of moms that are in our, and dads and uncles <laughs> are in our members group and they print off all of my, all of the printables, the resource center, the, the printables from my podcasts, the mini trainings, 
and our recipes and all of our all of our different things that we have printables for and then they put them in a three ring binder and keep them nice and organized with little tabs so that's one of the benefits of our members corner and like I said all of the resources that I have printed out are from really good sources. You know, I, I bring them in from old old publishings, old homeopathic books, some of the newer things that are out there, and then I will, I like to attribute the authors at that point. But like I said, most of what I, I study is from my older books um, that I was able to p purchase on eBay years and years ago. Just before I, when I was getting ready to print this or do this podcast, I was looking on Amazon and eBay and some other book sites. And I will say some of these books are quite hard to find now. They used to be a dime a dozen, but they're not anymore because you know what? People are finding out what little tiny diamonds they are in the rough and how there's so much knowledge in these books. So, and I know a lot of them you can actually Google and find them online. A lot of um, homeopathic websites have gone to the, the trouble of putting them up in so that you can access them on your computer so or your phone or whatever you have. So anyway, um, today we're talking about James Tyler Kent because he truly is the father of homeopathy in this country in the sense of how we see homeopathy today. He is um, attributed for, well, let's just talk about him. What, you know, he lived, he was born in 1849 and he actually died in 1916. He, he didn't live to be real old because he ended up dying quite, like I said, at 69, I believe. He was an American physician, best remembered as the forefather in, of modern homeopathy. In 1897, he published his Repertory of Homeopathic Materia Medica. And like I said, that is the, the Repertory of Homeopathic Materia Medica is the one, and I have pictures of my book in um, on the member's corner because it's kind of funny. When I had, when I was studying my mentor, Dr. Barbara Lowry, I just love her. But anyway, she said, Sue, you're going to have to study this book. You have to know it inside out, upside down, backwards, and you name it. <laughs> so you will see my th literally thousands of tabs at the top of each page and at the side of each page. And this book, this old homeopathic Materia Medica, has the little thumb indents so that a lot of old books used to have those and so you have each section is thumb dented so that when you're flipping pages you can find the sections very very quickly i like i said we'll talk about that a little bit because i, I really want to go back to that because it's really really fun all right his book was published in 1897 it was actually put together by his students from his school so that's really an interesting character because they his students loved him they absolutely loved him he was actually quite famous for the fact that everyone who knew him loved him so much and held him in such high esteem so the materia medica is today in classical homeopathy we are bound to know this book and this is the book we use well before everything went computer this was the book that we used for our test and to be certified to become certified in homeopathy so it labels things from the beginning with the mind and it from the head and it works its way down the entire body all the way to the generals that we talk about the generalities in homeopathy so Kent had a really he was a he was quite a brilliant man like I say he was born in March of 1849 in New York he attended a secondary school the Franklin Academy of Prattsburg in New York then he enrolled at Madison University today is known as Colgate University, from which he graduated with a bachelor's degree. And then he earned his master's from the same institution in 1870. 
He attended then the Institute of Eclectic Medicine in Cincinnati, Ohio, where he studied naturopathy, homeopathy, as well as chiropractic. Now, what's eclectic? I thought eclectic medicine, it's kind of an old term, but it was actually the study of medicine in the use of botanical remedies, along with other substances and physical therapy practices. So it was, kind of, it was really popular in the last half of the 19th century, as well as the first half of the 20th century. And the thing about that is that's a natural graduation into the world of homeopathy because in homeopathy, we need to know about all these herbs. We need to know the effects that these have upon the body. So he was, like I said, he was a brilliant man. And he actually ended up, he, he taught anatomy as well. He was just very, very knowledgeable. The funny thing is, is that, you know, you got to feel sorry for Kent because he married quite, he married a very young lady, his first wife, and she actually passed away very, very young. He set up his eclectic physician practice in St. Louis, Missouri, and then it wasn't too long after that he married again. And then in 1878, his second wife became very ill. And in spite of all of his hard work and trying to help her, she became more and more ill. She was nervous. She had weakness, insomnia, and anemia. And so she had been treated by allopathy, regular orthodox medicine, and also Kent's friends, the eclectic doctors, and her, and she just continued to get worse. So she actually asked her husband, she says, can you please call a homeopathic physician? So Kent did, and the doctor, his name was Dr. Richard Phelan, he actually made a, a suggestion, and Lucy, his second wife, made a dramatic recovery. So that was Kent's waha moment and it just seems like every every homeopathic doctor no one goes into homeopathy without having had a waha moment i'm not kidding you guys it's just i don't care who you interview everyone has had some life-changing event that's just like they realized it was the light goes on and they're like oh my gosh i have to know about homeopathy so that was kent's waha moment his wife recovered and he became an ardent student of homeopathy so he then accepted a position as professor of anatomy at the homeopathic college of missouri and he was there until after his second wife died she yes she eventually did die but he was then an adamant believer and teacher of homeopathy so in 1890, he moved to Pennsylvania to take a position of Dean of Professors at the Postgraduate Homeopathic Medical School of Philadelphia, and he remained there until 1899. Then along came a doctor turned homeopath. Her name was Clara Lewis Toby, and she ended up being um, a patient of Dr. Kent, and later on, guess what, became his wife. And this guy had energy, right? <laughs> She's responsible for helping him complete his famous works that are now published today. So it's, it's, it's kind of fun, you know, to think of these people as being real people. And here this poor man had three wives. And can you imagine the emotional toll that that took on him over all the course of his life would be a lot, right? So anyway, in 1897, Kent did publish his um, repertory of homeopathic materia medica. Like I said, his students helped him with that. He also produced seven volumes of the journal from the, from the Journal of Homeopathics. He was a teacher at the Hahnemann Medical College of Chicago. He had, like I said, he was professor and dean of the Herring Medical College and Hospital Institute, also located in Chicago. He was instrumental in the establishment of the Society of Homeopathicians 
as a means of disseminating the principles of homeopathy promulgated by Hahnemann. So he was he was quite the man. He had a lot of writing. He was well thought of. He had he basically set the standards in this country in many in many means. He is remembered for his arguments against germ theory. <laughs> this would be like Louis Pasteur and the germ theory about oh my gosh we got to kill all the germs or we're going to die type of thing. That's really fun because uh, Paola Brown in her Teach Kids Homeopathy curriculum and the story of Evie and the secret of small things. I just love that. By the way, I'm teaching kids at, at my store here in town that about I'm teaching with this curriculum and I just love it. I've enjoyed it so much. And I love her rendition and her the part of her book about germ theory. Okay, and Louis Pasteur and Beauchamp and the differences and how Louis Pasteur was actually a germaphobe. And it's just, it's really, really, it's great. It's, well, I can't say enough nice things about that curriculum, but it really takes kids through the whole curriculum in the, in the way of let's think outside the box, let's think for ourselves, let's question the, the medical authority that, that someone may or may not hold over us. It's just a grand storybook about teaching us to think for ourselves. I love it. Anyway, so Kent here is known as his for questioning that germ theory and infectious disease he was coined as quoted as saying the microbe is not the cause of the disease we should be not be carried away by these idle allopathic dreams and vain imaginations but should correct the vital force now that's kent for you and you know allopathy they get so angry when they hear quotes from kent like this kent goes on to say he says Quote, the bacteria is an innocent feller, and if he carries disease, he carries the simple substance which causes disease, just as an elephant would. <laughs> Unquote. Isn't that fun? So he says the bacteria, he just, it's not, that's not the killer. Okay, you know, and then you, if we go back to Paola's curriculum about, the, it's all about terrain. All right. If we have a healthy vital force, a healthy terrain, then these bacteria, these germs, so to speak, they can't get us. We are not susceptible to their harmful measures. It's that simple. So Kent believed that illness had spiritual causes as well. He says that you cannot divorce medicine and theology. Man exists all the way down from his innermost spiritual to his outermost natural. He was a vitalist and believed in a vital force. Okay, and when I'm teaching homeopathy, I talk about the vital force. That is our, the strength of our energy within, and it's our connection to the life force. So I say life force, I, this is God. <laughs> but Kent, he ended up dying of Bright's disease, which again, Bright's disease is a, is a kidney, and like nephritis, kidney issues. And so that stands to reason for all his emotional trauma in his life. You know, it's really hard on us, <laughs> okay? And I don't care how much homeopathy anyone uses, herbs, natural medicine, we're all eventually going to die. Um, and we will succumb to our own particular weaknesses. So it's, like I said, I love the way he taught as far as everything is so basic and natural and it's unchanging. And as long as we keep our strength and our vital force, our vitality up, you know, we're going to have a healthier life again. I don't care how healthy you are, you're eventually going to succumb to death, event, disease and eventual death. Or if you're lucky, then your organs will just simply wear out and you'll just go to sleep. Okay. 
with your family around you praying by your bedside. It'll, you know, that's, that's all we can hope for is a happy death because death is a part of living and we do hope for a happy one. Okay. So Kent was, is known as it. He was a genial, gentle, devoted friend to his patients and pupils. He was a jealous guardian of pure homeopathy against the criticisms of those he considered his enemies. Okay. So let's talk about some of his books. The first book we're going to talk about is his lectures on homeopathic philosophy. And this is one of the books that I actually studied quite in depth before when I was studying home um, for my, my test, my certification. It's very, very important. It's a, it's a grand book for the, for the philosophy of homeopathy. It's well written. I really enjoyed it. And this is one of the books that I ask everyone of my advanced homeopathic students to study because it is, like I said, it's the philosophy of homeopathy. We talk about there's the miasms of Hahnemann, the lectures, it's the law of similars, it goes through everything. Disorder in the vital force, um, fixed principles, law, and government from the center, the highest ideals of a cure. It's, it's, a, it's a grand book and I really, really enjoy it. Um, it's At first, I can remember when I picked it up at first, it was like reading Greek. As I became more familiar with homeopathy, then, then it's like, oh my gosh, this is a good book. <laughs> you know how that is? Okay. Okay. And the, the second book, well, well his, it's, it asserts the principles, like I said. It's a very important book because it, it, it describes the principles very, very clearly. It says, up until the time of Hahnemann, no principles of medicine were recognized. And even at this day in the writings and actions of the old school, there's complete acknowledgement that no principles existed. The old school declares that the practice of medicine depends entirely upon experience, upon what can be found by giving medicine to the sick. Okay, so they're shifting methods and theories, the rapid discoveries and abandonment. So this gives you the foundation of what to expect, what what are we looking at when we use homeopathy? What is this state of disease? What is this vital force? If we give a remedy, what, what can we expect? And so this book really helps to explain the ideals of illness and what homeopathy, what, what that's going to impact and have the impact that's going to have upon the body. So it's a really good book. I really enjoyed it. And it's important that you understand those, those basics if you plan to study advanced homeopathy. So then he wrote lectures on homeopathic materia medica. Like I said, this is probably the first book in its entirety that I read as a, well, what happened is, is I said to my homeopath, I said, okay, this acute use of homeopathy is absolutely amazing. And I said, and I've been doing some reading and I says, I want to know how to cure the chronic. He goes, oh, and he told me, he says, Sue, I, I, he says, I think man is so diseased today with all the vaccines and drugs that I don't think there's any cure for the chronic. And I'm like, you know what? I don't, I think you're wrong and I need to study more. And so when I started studying Kent's lectures on Materia Medica, again, you have to understand that this was written at a time where they, yes, they did a lot of suppressing and he, this was his big deal is of the medicines that they were giving for different, different diseases. And so, you know, there's a lot about that in here. Well, they weren't, they were whole drugs. They weren't tearing them apart like they do now. Now, because of the pharma um, pharmacies, what they do, they want to patent every medicine that's out there, every drug that's out there, they want to patent it. So what they do is they'll take whole herbs, tinctures, and natural elements, and then they extract a particular constituent from that so that they can patent it. And that's even far more dangerous is from 
in the sense that the body can't read the unnatural substance that's no longer in its whole food or whole element format. And so then it is more dangerous. And the suppression is far more deadly. Back in the day when Kent was complaining about suppression, I mean, he complained about tonsils being yanked out and cauterized and, you know, all the different forms of suppression back then. But even the medicines at that time were given in whole format. So they had a lot of drugs. They had a lot of pharmacy type things that they gave for illness, which yes, suppressed. It suppressed completely many, many symptoms of different diseases in the allopathic world. But you have to remember they were in whole, whole element format. So it was easier to blame mercury or sulfur or quinine or whatever they were using. It was easier to blame those particular elements. Today, the drug disease is, oh, the drug world is so complicated. And that's what my homeopath meant. He said, we have just, we have moved ourselves into such a disease state that it's completely encasing. And well, anyway, so when I started reading this book, I found that, you know what? Yes, I think there's a lot of truth to that. And I think that once organic damage is, is, occurs from suppression, and by suppression, I mean anything that stops the symptom of a particular illness as the body is trying to fight it. That's serious. That's very, very serious. But I wasn't so convinced that we couldn't help people. All right. So I continued to study and I love this book. It's, it's, it's a homeopathic remedy after homeopathic remedy and the whole picture of it. And he writes stories in here and he just gives you such courage. I remember reading one of these remedies in his, this Materia Medica. And it was, oh my goodness. And he was like, after you stand by the bedside of your patient and watch him closely, you will never forget this remedy. And, and he was, you know, he was so strong in his convention conviction. And I can remember actually crying physically <laughs> when I thought, I'll never, I'll never understand these remedies because he, he would just, he taught so eloquently to his students that he, he, literally impressed upon them that they would know this remedy and they would know it upside down, inside out, backwards. And, you know. and so he had a lot of confidence. You can, you can hear that in his teachings, a lot of confidence. And unless you're real familiar with homeopathy, it can be very, a very daunting book. But after I read it a second time, then it started to sink in. And, you know, it was like I said, and then I, I do refer to this a lot if I go back to it to the, the different specific homeopathic remedies so that I can get a broader picture. I love to read John H. Clark. We talked about him in another podcast and I love his stories. And he seemed more gentle to me and he's easier for me to absorb. Where Kent, like I said, if I'm not on board, if I don't understand what he's trying to say, I feel very intimidated. He's, he's a, he was a great doctor, but I do. I, I, you know, you can hear it in his voice. He's very intimidating and you just better, better be on board with what he's saying. <laughs> okay. But if we go on to his lesser writings, which I do not have a copy of his lesser writings, I do plan to get that. But these writings were condensed from letters, published articles and lectures. This, like I said, the lesser writings was published after he passed away. That book includes Short Materia Medica with work on philosophy and application of homeopathy. It was, like I said, compiled after his death. The book is comprised from letters, published articles, and lectures. This work contains all Kent's aphorisms and precepts so often quoted. All right. Um, I actually had, I did pull up on the internet some of the 
the writings that he had from that lesser writings. And I'm just going to read a few lines here of James Tyler Kent's lesser writings as presented by Dr. Robert Soror, The Making of a Man. And this was number 53 in the lesser writings. Truth is a two-edged sword. Information that may be used for the good of mankind may be used also for selfish ends. In the former, it elevates the user. In the latter, it destroys him. We see the evidence of this in every profession, in every business, in the artist, the doctor, the lawyer, the merchant, and the politician. We have only to study faces to be convinced. The face of the homeopathic physician who has used the great homeopathic truth for the good of man has a benign expression, while he who has first counted on what it will bring in cash has a crafty face which the children shun. In either case, he smiles if successful, but if he fails, we shall see accentuated the two casts of expression. One reveals patience, and the other deep lines of disappointment and hatred. It is important to know how it is that truth can become a power to change the faces of men. Truth is so powerful that will that it will elevate him who uses it for good of man, for the good of man, and degrade him who uses it against his fellow. It carries with it a penalty for falsifying it or using it for improper purposes. When one listens to a great truth, he says to himself, that truth should be known to the world or that it can be used to increase wealth. Truth first enters the memory and may go no further and soon may be lost, or it may be admitted to the understanding and flow through it into the voluntary and then into life. This is the course intended by divine providence whenever he gives truth to man. It is that he shall use it for the common good and not for himself. Whenever man perverts this, he destroys himself, but when he carries out the purpose of the truth, he becomes wise. The highest aim of man is to become wise, and the only way to attain wisdom is to do for the good of others. Truth first enters the mind by the way of the memory. There it is inspected by the understanding, and it is settled upon whether it is true or false or detrimental. If it is approved, the understanding admits it to the middle chamber where it is a treasure for use. When homeopathic truth is thus admitted, the healing artist waits for an opportunity to confirm it. Finally, the patient comes and the truth is called forth. The law and doctrines were treasured are called upon, used, and confirmed to be true. The patient recovers and is grateful to his doctor. The doctor is delighted and smiles. He shows forth upon the face his inmost feelings. A tear comes to his eye and he says, Blessed be Hanuman, blessed be the Lord. Then it is that truth passes through the understanding into the voluntary, into the affections, and is revealed upon the countenance. Now truth is made alive and can be maintained alive so long as the doctor continues to use it. It now fills his life. He loves it, knows it, and remembers it. If he does not love it and use it, he does not grow in wisdom. But by loving it, he loves to use it and thereby learns more of it. The more he loves it, the better he knows it. If there is one who is wise in the law, it is because he loves it and obeys it. If he is wiser than others, it is because he loves it more than others. But for the sake of good, it will do for man. To love it for the good it will bring to oneself is another form of hatred of men and of hatred of men or love of self. Closes and pinches and contracts and distorts the understanding and the face becomes crafty. Any violation of the law carries with it its own penalty. Woe unto him who uses the truth to glorify himself or enrich his pocketbook. Truth will make man miserable or happy. Man is never happy except when working for others. Man is most miserable when doing most for himself, and the misery is shown on his face. 
Behold the successful miser. He who has most is most miserable. The wise man is always happy. He has grown wise while loving and is loved while according acquiring knowledge. Peace, happiness, and contentment are upon the face of all who live for the good of the human race. When man appears to know what he does, not make use of his understanding, will soon force it out into his, the memory. And finally, the memory holds it no longer. And the understanding is treasured only so much as is loved and used. The love of truth for the sake of truth is in the voluntary, conjoins with the equivalent of truth in the understanding, and this is the measure of man's wisdom. The crafty man memorizes facts to use for a given occasion in order to acquire remuneration or fame, and should be known as smart in proportion to the success of his undertakings. This is not wisdom. Wisdom cannot be removed from the love of uses. Love, wisdom, and use make one, and inasmuch as they are one in the life of man, they make him a man, and wherein he lacks these, he falls short of being a man. These in man are the wherein he exists in the image of God, and when he has thus made truth alive in him, he has become free indeed. I just had to share that. I'm, I'm sorry, that just, it, to me, is so amazing. And I remember even as a young girl when I worked at the nursing home, you know, back then, like in the in the early 80s, they started coming up with nursing homes because people no longer wanted to care for their elderly parents or whatever. Anyway, so I started working in a nursing home and I thought it was a great place because at that time, everyone that lived there really had serious special needs. There, were, Every now and then there would be someone that would come in that was perfectly capable of caring for themselves in a small apartment outside, you know, their children's home or whatever. Anyway, I can remember studying the faces of these elderly people. And I can remember thinking some of them were just glowing and with love and kindness and others were mean and cantankerous. And you didn't even want to be around those people. And and I remember asking my mom or grandma or someone about it and they said, well, honey, it's, it's the road that they're on. You know, I, we, we set our path when we're young and we are either full of love and kindness and in service of others or we are selfish and mean. And it could have been something that you know, it could have been a terrible hurt that they were never able to get over. I mean, who knows? Who knows the whys of how they got on the path that they were on? But these miserable, cantankerous people were literally distorted. And I won't say hideous, but they were. They were people you wanted to avoid because they were so mean and they were not pleasurable to be around. And the other folks, I would sit I would sit, whenever I had extra time, I'd go to someone's room that was, you know, nice and I'd listen to their stories. And I, I just loved it. And they were fun and they had so much to give and share. So anyway, the lesser writings here, number 53, The Making of a Man. I just, I really, really enjoyed that. And, you know, so like I said, when I read that, <laughs> I need this whole book. I want this book so I can just sit and enjoy it. <laughs> okay, I want to talk about the repertory of the Homeopathic Materia Medica by Kent. And like I said, I'll show my pictures. But this it this book is amazing. Like I said, it starts with the mind, um, dreams, the head, and then it works its way down the eye with a vision, ears, the hearing, the nose, the face. And then it goes on to the mouth, the teeth, the throat, stomach, abdomen, the rectum, stool, uh, urine, genitalia, the larynx, the respiratory, the cough. Um, these are all just labeled all the way down. And it goes all the way down to the extremities. You know, that we have the, the chest, the back, the extremities, sleep, chill, fever, perspiration, skin, and then we have the generalities. And then in the back, it has the um, basically a word index, 
of particular, you know, back, um, axillary glands. It's just basically, it's just a word index of all the different things that you may need to look up. And it'll have the page numbers of those different references. And then the nice part about this book is that it's set up, well, many of the Materia Medicas we have today are set up like this one, like Kent's. Like I said, this is for the certification board. This is the book that we study from. And it has the, each section is labeled and the, that section will be in bold on the far left. And then each rubric will be listed and that'll be inserted just a little bit like, you know, you have your in, indent, like one, two, three, four, five indent. And then the rubric is listed. And then, then underneath that rubric, you'll have more indents and more bold on the laterality, the time of day, the modality or the conditions of extensions. In other words, it goes from one area of the body to another, the locations. And then under each location, again, it's listed under laterality, time, modalities, extensions. And then you'll have the sensations, laterality, time, modality, extensions. So each each rubric or each symptom is listed. And then under each one of those is listed again. And it keeps breaking it down, breaking it down, breaking it down so that you have specifics so easily found in this setup. So I really, really, really enjoy this book. And like I said, I've put pictures of my book on here with all my little tabs and you guys will get a kick out of that. But that's how I studied. And under each my, like under my words, like even, you know, like when I was first studying, I had taken my anatomy class, but at the same time, anatomy was, um, kind of foreign to me at the same, you know, at the time when I started studying homeopathy. But under here, I wrote, I wrote a note to myself, like front of the body from lower edge of the ribs to the groin, urinary and reproductive in its own section. But some symptoms here, movement of the fetus and menstrual discomfort. And it's like I'm writing these notes to myself because it's really hard to get that terminology, that homeopathic terminology down. And so I just took and I wrote in the margins of my book all the way through it. And so like I said, it's great to have these books in hard copy form so that you can just make notes and write in it. And when you see something that's really an odd and peculiar rubric that you're thinking, oh my gosh, I need, I'll never forget that. Trust me, you'll forget it. So make notes of it. Use sticky notes. <laughs> All of my books have tons of sticky notes in them. And, you know, for those odd and peculiar things that were super cool, I wanted to never forget. But anyway, this tribute to James Tyler Kent, it's um, if you're going to study homeopathy, obviously you, you really want James Tyler Kent's books in your library because they're great reference books if you've outgrown them. I said, not today with software, and there's so many great, great repertories in Materia Medicas out there. But James Tyler Kent is the foundation in this country, and so it's well worth to have on hand. All right. I hope that helps. I hope it helps to understand James Tyler Kent as a person, a homeopath, a doctor. Like I said, the philosophy behind homeopathy and how it, we really, it is a means to help our fellow man. It truly is. And I just don't see how, you know, the FDA can just take it upon themselves to say, oh, nope, can't use this anymore. It's too natural. <laughs> and it doesn't hurt enough people, you know. <laughs> All right. I hope that helps. May God bless you and yours. Thanks for listening to this episode of Homeopathy for Mommies radio show. Please visit Sue on her website, homeopathyformommies.com, and join us right here at homeopathyformommiesradio.com, Wednesday, noon Eastern. As always, we pray the Lord blesses you with good health, vitality, strength, and wisdom.